Hello and welcome to Heroes of the Galaxy, a limited series where we celebrate the women of the Star Wars universe. My name's Millicent and each week I'll be joined by a special guest to talk about the story and legacy of a female character from the movies, games, books and more. This week I'm joined by Amy Ratcliffe, who is the managing editor at Nerdist.com and also author of Star Wars Women of the Galaxy and more. Amy joins us today to talk about her work in the Star Wars community for StarWars.com and various panels she's hosted at Star Wars Celebration and many, many other things. And also being a woman in fandom, her favourite Star Wars books, and just some other amazing moments in her relationship with Star Wars and some of the characters that she finds herself most connected to. So let's introduce our guest and get chatting. Welcome to the show, Amy. It's such an honor to have you here. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here. I was excited when you reached out. So thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so let's start with, tell me about your very first experience with Star Wars. I had this kind of a long, windy path to Star Wars, I feel like, because technically my first experience was when I was 10 years old. Is that the right? Yeah, 10 years old. I went to Disneyland with my family for the first time. I'm from um, Ohio, kind of in the middle of the country. So it was a big deal to go to California. <laughs> and we went on Star Tours and I had not been exposed to Star, Star Wars or really much sci-fi or fantasy at all at that point in my life. And I wish I could say I remembered a lot of specific things about the ride, but really I remember the trench run part of it. And just kind of, uh, you know, it's a motion simulator, so it kind of uh-huh. throws you around a little bit. Um, so I kind of forgot about it at that point in my life until I'll fast forward, I think like seven or so years when the original trilogy came back to the theaters as special editions ahead of the prequel. So that was my first time actually seeing a Star Wars movie. And I was, you know, just about done with high school. So kind of late in life compared to most people's like Star Wars stories I hear where they're like, I stood in line for it. I saw it when I was a kid. And I'm like, <laughs> I just somehow missed out on that. So yeah, I was seeing it. And, you know, at the time I went to go see them with my my high school boyfriend. He was very into it. And you know, I was curious. I had finally in high school, like, discovered more of, like, I was really into Star Trek Next Generation and the Wheel of Time fantasy books. And I had just started reading A Song of Ice and Fire. So I was just kind of more immersed in, in those different kind of worlds that just weren't in my household <laughs> growing up. So, yeah, it was special editions. And, and then I saw the prequels thereafter and then kind of forgot about Star Wars until the Clone Wars came out. And that really like brought me hardcore back in and it's been downhill, but in the best way ever since. Well, I suppose you said you read A Song of Ice and Fire in high school. I suppose you were ahead of the game on one thing, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. At least on one thing. And I remember this is a tangent. I'll be brief, but um, I'd started Wheel of Time, which, you know, I actually still haven't finished it. But at the time when I was reading, I think there were five books out and it was just starting to be a long wait in between books. Mm-hmm. And I was frustrated because I'm like, I just, I just want to finish story. So I picked up the first Song of Ice and Fire book, which is Game of Thrones, believing that it was a completed trilogy. 
<laughs> what, a, what a naive fool I was because that series is still not finished. Yeah, and that was still waiting on that last book. Oh, <laughs> uh, one one day, hopefully. And I think it's interesting, like you say, that you, you got into it a bit later than most and you feel like a lot of people, you know, they, they like left their mother's womb reading Star Wars and watching Star Wars. Because I do feel like, um, so, so I came into it a bit late as well. Like um, it was the Force Awakens trailer that got me kind of, you know, triggered my obsession with the world. And it does seem that there is a bit of pressure that if you haven't been a fan since the prequels or you haven't been a fan since this, then, you know, you're not a real fan. Like if the sequel trilogy is what got you into Star Wars, there seems to be kind of an attitude around that. And I was wondering if maybe you felt the same. I have absolutely felt the same, especially when I was starting out because I get really frustrated with gatekeeping and those, Mm. I'm using air quotes, you can't see true fan (laughs) comments because it's ridiculous because if you like something, you're a fan. So when I was kind of, getting into Clone Wars and through Clone Wars, diving more into this mythology and world and getting hooked in a way that I just wasn't before for a lot of reasons. And taking that like enthusiasm for Clone Wars and starting to talk about it online and and starting a blog. And I just sometimes got like just a vibe from people like where they were judging because I haven't, I wasn't there, you know, for decades and decades. I am at that point a you know, in my late 20s, uh, adult who is just discovering this. And it's not like I was saying like, I've discovered this and I now know everything. I was just (laughs) being excited about like, look what Ahsoka did in that episode. And sometimes I I feel and I still see with people who get into it in the sequel trilogy that sometimes longtime fans treat them as less than and kind of sometimes in a way like, oh, you can't possibly understand what xyz means in star wars because you haven't been a fan as long as i have and that can be really frustrating and i imagine it has to be especially frustrating to get that treatment coming in because the sequel trilogy brought in so many new fans which is awesome like everyone should be excited to see the fandom grow Mm. not not snobby about it but unfortunately i do see that sometimes yeah, because I suppose like any sort of entry point into this world is surely exciting and you sh- people should be met with open arms, I guess. You know, like I did worry like what authority I had to do a Star Wars podcast if, you know, I only got into it like five, five, wow, Force Awakens came out five years ago. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> feel like that long. Um, when there's, you know, there's people out here who are like Star Wars veterans, I guess. But I suppose I just kept thinking if I love it and I want to talk about it with other people who love it, why should that stop me? So, yeah. Well, 100%. Good. That's the attitude you should have. And I think anybody who is rude and and gatekeepy should be kicked in the shins uh, at minimum. I wholeheartedly (laughs) agree. (laughs) So um, I suppose staying on the sequel trilogy for a minute, obviously you watched the prequels in the cinema and you went on that ride and you got into Clone Wars and everything and that was the start of your journey. I'm wondering what it was like when The Force Awakens was released to get to kind of revisit that world on the big screen for the first time. That's exactly it. It was so exciting to me like the force awakens was kind of the first saga film you know because even with clone wars i caught that film after it was out like it wasn't like i'm gonna go to a theater and a big deal um to me so with force awakens to kind of get to be in the hype of it all i guess for a new star wars film and run to i think it was mocking jay part two maybe that the trailer was with at the the cinema near me and it was a movie I'd already seen, but to mm-hmm. buy tickets and just 
run in to see the trailer on the big screen <laughs> for the first time. Like I hadn't got to do that before with any other Star Wars movie. And it was really just like fun, just like a very joyous like wave to ride with like along with fandom. And I went like hardcore for Force Awakens, like watched every trailer, every clip that they they put out any little interview or tidbit and went to force friday and stood in line for toys and it was just to be in that kind of energy that fandom sometimes has that really positive energy was a blast and really cool to experience for the first time that's so cool and that's that's like exactly how i felt it's i suppose the prequels and everything being an entry point for that generation it's very similar to this way because we got to see it for the first time with everybody. It's not like rewatching your dad's old DVDs and stuff and learning through that way. It's actually being in the wave of it, like you say, getting to go and watch these trailers as they come out piece by piece and then go to the cinema and everyone's seeing it for the first time and being a part of it while it's happening, I think makes such a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. And I think those kind of things gonna, you know, just being in that um, mass of people who are having a great time can affect how you you view the movie too and I think that's always a really fun way the first time to see a Star Wars movie is just with people who are who are present with unbridled enthusiasm and even if you maybe don't like think about it and don't love the film as much either like that experience is always very special absolutely um so speaking of like the kind of people you see it with and the kind of community on the whole what has your experience been like as such a huge part of the star wars community and what have been some of your favorite memories oh man i feel like i've been so lucky to just be a part of this fandom because even with its uh, um dark corners and and rude people sometimes <laughs> when I go to an event like Star Wars Celebration or I hang out with parts of the 501st Legion that are doing a parade, it's just like kind of those pockets, like it's just joyful and people are kind and ready to connect because you know you're all there for the same reason because you love some part of Star Wars. And Celebration Chicago was a really just, that was, I guess, a year ago, a little over a year ago. Wow. And that was like, I've been to celebrations before. I've been going since about 2012, I think, with Celebration 5 in Orlando. And, but Celebration Chicago, just something about it. Like, every time I ran into people, like, everyone was just excited and kind and ready to geek out. And I just didn't encounter a negative moment. Um, and it was weird, too, because I, I got really sick at that convention. And it was still one of the best ones and he kind of like, I got, I got sick and normally I'd be like, I'm not going to go, but I was hosting. So I was trying to push through because I had mm. work and I didn't know um, that's would not be the case in the future um, given everything. But so I think being around fandom, getting to be in the room for like the big panels um, for this was Celebration Anaheim, but for the Force Awakens panel or for when they had a Star Wars Rebels panel and showed a trailer for season two. And we learned that Rex was going to be in that show and this entire arena of people learning at the same time. So when I think about my favorite memories with fandom, it's for sure kind of those, those highs, right? Where we're all just in it together and can't wait to have more. And then professionally, I feel really lucky to 
have just had some great conversations with people who make Star Wars and work on Star Wars. Um, and writing my book, of course, was a huge thing, but um, just a huge, like, exciting thing. And, but thinking back to, like, kind of some of those conversations with the creators and, and people who are in the weeds, like, I've, I've been fortunate to interview Dave Filoni several times since I kind of started this writing journey about 10 years ago. And I always love listening to him talk about Star Wars, but we did a Star Wars Rebels panel at, at Celebration Chicago called Rebels Remembered with, with Dave and with uh, Vanessa Marshall and Tia Sarkar and Taylor Gray that was just kind of, you know, the show it ended and it was kind of a retrospective. Mm -hmm. And it was just like such a fun conversation and very insightful and like those kind of moments I treasure because I love hearing I love hearing people who who make Star Wars talk about Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, which sounds like a very obvious statement when I put it that way. But that was a long rambling answer, I hope. No, it's brilliant. Kind of, okay, good. <laughs> I was just so kind of like enamored listening to you talk about Celebration because um, Star Wars Celebration is such like a bucket list thing for me. Like I really hope I can one day attend one because being in the UK, I think I think it was in London like – two years ago and at that point I didn't quite know what it was yet like I only re recently kind of started watching clips and panels and stuff maybe a year ago um and now I'm just like desperate for it to come back to the UK because obviously going to America to go isn't quite feasible for me but I'd, I yeah it's just such an exciting concept all of these fans and the community in one place just there to kind of celebrate the universe they love so much and get to listen to the people who made it like you said just listening to the people involved in bringing it to life is so special. And I really hope I get to go to one, one day and maybe, you know, you might be hosting another panel there and we can say hi. <laughs> I hope so. And I would love um, Celebration Europe in, I think it was 2016. That was my first time hosting at Celebration, hosting a stage. Um, and only maybe the second or third time I'd been to London as well. So it was really special. And I hope it selfishly, like I would like to go back to the UK um, too. So Oh, say, so we'll just put that out in the universe. Yes, we'll manifest it. <laughs> One year, two years, it'll happen. Um, I'm wondering, like, when you came to London for Star Wars Celebration, was anything different, did you feel, um, in the Star Wars communities in the UK based in America? Is there any differences there in kind of the reception, things received, or just the general atmosphere? I will say, I think, I think, well, I think, I think, um, the things <laughs> I noticed that were different is I feel like, the displays were cooler because, well, you know what, they bring them to the U.S. Some 501st groups build these amazing replicas of things like ADATs and snow speeders or the whole, you know, like Echo Base Medical Bay. And they do these, they set these up for fans in the exhibit hall. It's a really just fun photo opportunity. Mm. And they usually come out of Belgium, I think, is the group. Um, and it's remarkable that they bring them to the U.S., uh, but I found, you know, there was even more of that at Celebration Europe, I, I presume, because it's closer and a bit yeah. easier to transport things. So we get the coolest stuff over here. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> I love that. So as well, speaking on kind of the fandom and the community, do you find that there's anything specific or like intrinsic to being a woman in this community? Um, maybe you found a specific community of women who love Star Wars that, that you found yourself a part of, or just like being a woman in the Star Wars fandom because I know that it can be very difficult sometimes I think I've had first-hand experience with that and I think a lot of us have so I'm just wondering if there's anything you think of 
uh, in the history of that maybe like good things bad things and just general feelings yeah absolutely I definitely felt it a little more in about 2008 2009 when I was getting into this that it was a little more I guess of a thing that I was a woman <laughs> in fandom and was made to feel uncomfortable and and got a lot of that gatekeep gatekeeper attitude where it's like oh you yeah. must do trivia to prove <laughs> that you like star wars or you must know this fact and that fact and we're going to quiz you about it even though we would never do that with yeah. a man we will put you in the spotlight and that's really uncomfortable for a lot of reasons i mean the the sexist one number one but also like i'm I really have a flawed memory and I'm not good at trivia and especially not if I'm put on the spot and to have like your, like to feel like your fandom, like your authentic fandom hinges upon whether, you know, some fact from two seconds in a movie is really frustrating. The good news is I've gotten less of that as the years have gone on. For the most part, I feel, I feel more accepted, but there are still occasions it happened to me, you know, recently I was working with Disney as a uh, Star Wars brand manager for this in-house advertising arm that they have. And um, when I was on a set shooting at Galaxy's Edge, their, their Star Wars land to kind of, basically I was like kind of a consultant and I was introduced to one of the crew as a, oh, this is Amy, like she's our in-house Star Wars expert. And I don't like the word expert because then immediately people want to challenge (laughs) it. And he did. Like this crew member was like, oh, we'll have to have a trivia contest later. Oh, no. But what if we didn't? And we didn't because I just avoided him the rest of the (laughs) time. So it has gotten better overall. I think the way, though, that I've really kind of found my a place where I don't notice it as much or I don't engage with it as much as I find fellow women in the community that I can talk to and kind of curate a safe space with so to speak um my co-host on Lantes with Leia Drea Letamendi Dr. Drea Letamendi is is one of those people who I know I can I can go and talk Star Wars with you and there's not going to be judgment nobody's going to get toxic or weird we can have an adult debate about something we we either have different sides on or we can mutually enthuse over something we both enjoy Mm. and I have a handful of people in real life and uh, a slightly larger handful like people online that I know I can have those discussions with but I would prefer to have them in a discord chat or via text and not on public and twitter where anyone can jump in because they they do (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> they find like I'm like, how did you find this conversation? Like, what are you doing with your day? To like, <laughs> you just looking up like this word and just harassing random people. Um, and it does get frustrating online because the ones who kind of drop into conversations to make negative comments, just the, the negativity part can be really vocal. And I know it's not re- representative of the entire fandom, yeah. But it doesn't make it any less frustrating. So yeah, I've just been really try I've tried to get to know people and kind of curate spaces where I feel safe and comfortable just being open about Star Wars I'm glad to hear that honestly because like like you say like that one negative voice even if it's just one amongst a hundred great comments it always seems to be the loudest and it can weigh on you I guess 1000% I am that person who like I can people can give me encouragement and and advice and and just really 
good cheering on and then one person comes in and says something mean and I'm like okay well I'm totally deflated now yeah and it like lasts the whole day yes like I don't I like I'm very much a person despite trying not to and trying to be better at not ruminating on things I 1000% do still so and I think it's really reassuring to hear that even you like as an author of an amazing Star Wars book and managing editor at Nerdist and everything doesn't like being called an expert like we all kind of have our blind spots and we don't know everything about everything all the time because like my one big Star Wars blind spot is and I know this is awful but I haven't seen the Clone Wars um I'm working on it um obviously with everything going on with the final season I've been very intrigued and I have started this series for the sake of this podcast and because I want to watch it but it has always felt like there's this one piece of Star Wars kind of lore that I don't know anything about and I worried if I could enter certain conversations because of that one blind spot so I think it's really reassuring to know that even you have some as well (laughs) oh absolutely and I will never judge anyone for not watching something because we all have limited time. And exactly. In the Clone Wars, like that's not the same as sitting down to a two-hour film. You're, you're going to be There's in that so for much a while. Wars. Oh my god! <laughs> my friend was like, "Okay, so, so what season are you on now? When can we record this Ahsoka episode?" And I was like, "I just finished season one." And they were like, "It's been a week." And I was like, "Dude, there's like twenty-something episodes." <laughs> yeah, it's gonna take a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll do this one at the end of the month. <laughs> that's funny. I'm very much the same with Drea on Lattes with Leia because I'm like, I really w- can't wait to talk about the final season, and she is, I think, just been season one she might be into season two now so just I'm her like, first well, watch as well yeah she's watched I think some episodes here and there mm. um like to 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 do research for something she's writing but she's never watched it all the way through so I'm like I'll be here whenever you're ready to talk about the final <laughs> season like it's not going anywhere neither am I <laughs> yeah I'm so excited I my Twitter feed has been full of stuff and I, I have had it spoiled for me but I don't really mind because I know that this is quite long ago in terms of the Star Wars story as a whole and I think I'll still enjoy it regardless so I'm so excited (laughs) I'm excited for you to see it all for the first time you'll have to let me know yeah I'll be sure to message you like (laughs) my my full-on essay after every season (laughs) yes please I will happily read that okay so I want to talk a bit now obviously about your incredible book Star Wars Women of the Galaxy um I'm wondering at what point in kind of your your journey as a writer in the Star Wars community and everything. How did that book come about and what moved you to write it? Um, I really got fortunate. I I use the word lucky sometimes here. I want to use fortunate. Like it was just Mm -hmm. a good combination of like, I I put the work in um, for several years writing. You know, I started my own blog that transitioned to other pain, like entertainment reporting gigs that transitioned to me doing that full time for which um, I'm just, you know, some of that is, is I did, I did a lot of hard work. Like I had a, you know, a day job at the time I was getting started and often worked, uh, upwards of 60, 70 hours a week. And oh, wow. not, I was not <laughs> looking back. <laughs> I went, I learned about what anxiety attacks were in that time. And it, mm-hmm. I, I pushed a little too hard, but it's also, you know, timing and kind of connecting with the right people. So all of those kind of factors came together, my, my experience, my connections with Lucasfilm, both on the publishing side, having written for StarWars.com and Star Wars Insider Magazine, and also on the publicity side, just knowing, just knowing some really good people at Lucasfilm that were very supportive of me and helped me, you know, 
would drop my name in places and they dropped my name to Chronicle Books, the publisher of Women of the Galaxy. And my editor or who would be my editor reached out to me and just kind of that like dream of an email you never think you'll get just saying this is the project we want to write this book about 75 female characters in Star Wars accompanying it with original art by female and non-binary artists are you interested and it's like what is that, is that even a question <laughs> like is this a trick somehow is this a really funny practical joke of course so I was just a like I couldn't believe it and it was one of those things like I got that email and of course like anytime I find out news like that I just want to know everything immediately mm. like I'm not terribly patient in that regard um, but that's not how uh, things work and I thought maybe it was just Women of the Galaxy but that is not how publishing works in general I have at least for me so far has not it's always like okay here's this cool thing and you're like yes and then maybe it takes a little while to get the ball rolling yeah um, and then you can't say anything about it for so long and it's so frustrating right yes I'm in that boat now too I have cool stuff coming up and I just <laughs> want to announce it and I can't um but in that case it was tricky too because you know I started writing that book in about I think October of 2018 by the time like I wrote samples and Lucasfilm you know everybody was on board with me writing it and we had characters from The Last Jedi in there, and we had characters from Solo, A Star Wars Story, and also Star Wars Resistance. So it was kind of this staggered, like, well, I have to wait for The Last Jedi to come out to finish the first draft. And then Lucasfilm kind of gave me uh, a bird's view, bird's eye view, that's what I meant to say, <laughs> of Solo, A Star Wars Story, so I could mm -hmm. kind of dive in, but I still had to wait. So I, it was kind of this weird thing I did in stages where I got most of the work done right after The Last Jedi. Then I had to wait for Solo. And then I just had to like scrap things together for Star Wars Resistance because that was mm -hmm. still months from being released. Um, anyway, so that's how I got to write the book. Sorry. <laughs> Again, long rambling answer. No, it was um, great. Um, what was the writing process like for you? Like how did you tackle a book that's like essentially like 75 chapters I guess like each section how did you come at it you know that's kind of how I broke it down is um, I'm a very big fan of organizing and I don't know if it's common for writers to use spreadsheets to kind of dictate their work but that's what I do to kind of track like this is what I've done this is what I have left if I'm on a very hard deadline I will kind of divide things up like okay like with that book I'm like I know I need to do X number of characters a day, like write a num that number of entries a day to try mm -hmm. to come close to hitting that deadline. So I wrote out um, all 75 characters on a spreadsheet and then I kind of, you know, we kind of had them ranked internally as far as not any kind of like who's better, but who's like, who is more of like an Aunt Beru who's going to get a couple hundred words versus a uh, Padme Amidala who, who we know more about and has uh, amazing so she gets a few thousand words or a couple thousand words so I had my list kind of ranked in that order of mm. smaller entries medium-sized entries and because for me of course I know the thing they teach that I was taught at school at least is you do the harder ones first like on a quiz right because yeah you can go back. <laughs> this is not what I do I'm like I'm gonna do all the small ones first because then I feel like <laughs> just by cut like mark checking off because I would once I finished a character like I had okay here's like the date I have the first draft done here's the date I have edits but you know back 
here's when those are due. And as I would get things done, like I just fill them in with a color and it's very satisfying to fill more in with a color <laughs> than yeah. even if they're shorter entries. <laughs> so that's kind of how I worked through it. And for the most part, and just kind of would go day by day. And, um, you know, I had, I was working at Nerdist then as well. So it was a lot of um, getting up before work to write and writing on a weekend, which is kind of how I work now too. Cause I don't, once evenings come, my brain is checked out after a long yeah. day at work. So that was the process is I just, I made this spreadsheet. I filled it in as I went and I fortunately, you know, at that point at least was caught up, pretty caught up on the novel. I was caught up on the novels, pretty caught up on the comics, the comics I, I'm, I'm not as current with right now. Mm -hmm. So I had a good, like in my head, a base of, okay, I know Adi Galia, we see her and this, and this, she's not a good example actually, because she's basically in the Clone Wars. <laughs> um, <and> that's <laughs> it. But I would use that as a base to then go revisit certain, um, episodes of Clone Wars or certain pages and books to try to because it was really trying to not be a Wikipedia entry that already exists yeah. and depending like that's just not the book we were writing but I was trying to pull in okay here are this characters maybe some accomplishments they've had maybe some of their personality strengths or flaws or just some really big moments for them and then kind of sprinkle in some behind the scenes information or, or quotes when it made sense um and it kind of varied my instinct as a writer is to like follow a template because it's easier <laughs> um mm -hmm. but my editor was like no let's try to mix it up so it was trying to be conscious of not just following the same format for every character as well yeah, and I can't imagine how satisfying it must have been to see the spreadsheet in full color when you finished. Oh, it makes me so <laughs> happy. I, and I, I have adopted that for anything I've written since, even though it doesn't, if they don't quite break down the same way. Yeah. Um, even with edits now that I'm working on a project, I go through with my notes I have for my editor, like put them all in a spreadsheet, and then I get to check them, like fill them in. And it just makes me feel accomplished <laughs> it's amazing it's so organized and I could never <laughs> um so you mentioned you were looking back to like the books and the comics and stuff during this process and I'm assuming that you you know you're big on the Star Wars books and I'm only kind of just starting to get into that myself I've started with um I think Black Spire Outpost or is it just Black Spire I'm really enjoying that at the minute and I'm wondering if you have any like favorite absolute must read books in the Star Wars canon that you'd like to recommend Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, <laughs> let me think how I can narrow it down. The top one for sure that I recommend to anyone is Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Mm -hmm. It's a YA novel that's kind of a Romeo and Juliet as far as someone in the Empire kind of having a relationship with someone who joins the rebellion. And Ooh. they grow up together like they're childhood friends and it is I, I'm also like, I love romance novels. So getting more romance in Star Wars, number one, made me happy. Um, <laughs> but number two, the book is just really fascinating. Like as someone who is very uh, pro-rebellion and has the Rebel Alliance tattoo, it's always really interesting for me to get a deeper look inside the Empire and the people who join it and what they're thinking and how they view the, the Galactic Civil War and how they wrestle with you know, 
do they see that the empire has done some really awful things or do they reconcile Mm. it in a way that makes them feel better about being in the empire and lost stars did that really well. So I highly recommend that one. Uh, Another one I really loved is catalyst who now I'm forgetting who wrote that one. I think James Luceno, I'm going to look it up while I talk real quick, (laughs) but that one is set before it's kind of a rogue one prequel. So mm-hmm. it tells the story of Galen Urso and Lyra Urso and how Krennic, you know, kind of manipulated uh, Galen and how he was honestly kind of a adult about it until Lyra's like, yo, maybe this guy, um, he, he's not really, he, he's not really your friend. Oh, it is by <laughs> James Luceno. Perfect. Um, so if you like the Rogue One era, like if you like that film, that's a really cool like backstory to dive into, like how how they ended up on that planet uh, on Lemu at the beginning of Rogue One. Yeah, that sounds uh, really interesting. And I've definitely written down Lost Stars as well. I'm going to get my hands on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just my favorite Star Wars book. It's so good. Claudia Gray, like you can't go wrong with anything she writes, honestly. Amazing. Duly noted. I'll definitely look out for more of her stuff when I'm starting to delve a bit more into the Star Wars fiction books. Um, just before we get onto like the kind of final questions, I did have one about uh, bringing it back to kind of the whole, you know, the women of Star Wars universe. I was wondering if you had a specific female character in Star Wars that you feel the most connected to, and if so, why? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. My favorite is absolutely Ahsoka Tano, um, mm-hmm. but as far as who I connect to, it kind of depends on on where I am in life and. I feel like right now I connect to Mon Mothma the most. I She's a character, you know, who very briefly appeared in Return of the Jedi and in deleted scenes and the prequels, but we got more of her through Clone Wars and then Rogue One. And she, we've just learned more about her being such a, a like a foundational member of the Rebel Alliance and then just pushing that and kind of keeping things together and she's someone who I like I respect that level of like she's just organized like she has to have it together she's holding this this ragtag group and I'm not doing that I'm not organizing a resistance um fighter group but like I apply that like it's what I like about Star Wars I couldn't scale that down and like I am trying to keep a lot of balls in the air and if I can be as serene and confident as Mon Mothma, I will get it done. <laughs> um, I also, if I can give a second answer, a brief one. Of course. Um, thank you. <laughs> I found myself connecting more to uh, Briha Organa, who we learn um, more about actually in a Claudia Gray book that I also recommend called Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, but specifically in that, to be uh, as part of becoming a... a ruling um queen in Alderaan you have to go undergo this like these challenges and one of them is a physical one and when Briha did her she got it was it's like climbing up this ridiculous like mountainside it's very odd um and she got really injured and and had to have uh organs replaced and one of those yeah it's insane and one of the things is she had um her heart like basically there's like has mechanical elements and she has these things called uh it's pulmonodes and when people have them put 
like in the Star Wars universe, like glow. So people usually have like skin, like or uh, synthetic skin, like grown over them, so you can't see. And Brie Hug doesn't. She just wears them out there for the world to see. And um, I had open heart surgery in November, and now have this, you know, <laughs> scar that I did not have before, and definitely wrestled with it first like what do I feel about this like at first it was hideous and now it's just you know it's there it's part of me like do I I'm not gonna like I own too many v-neck shirts to cover it up but I do like channel like I'm like you know what Bria can rock her glowing heart replacement pieces I can do this um yeah so I like that there's that kind of variety in the Star Wars universe that you can connect to the female characters on in so many different regards that's that's really beautiful story thank you for sharing that that's amazing and I'll definitely read that book now she sounds like such an incredible strong character and I don't obviously know much about her just because we don't get to see her in the films as much I suppose but I'm excited to explore those stories and it's amazing that you shared how she meant that much to you and your surgery and everything that's brilliant yeah she's uh, that book is just tremendous like and shining light on Leia as a teenager clearly but what Briha and Bale like did in the beginning for the rebellion. It's pretty cool. Brilliant. Okay. So the final few questions are a sort of kind of rapid fire thing, but the past few episodes, they they never, they never go rapidly. You know, we always <laughs> end up discussing the answers for way longer than we say we will, but it's just five somewhat simple, maybe deceivingly simple questions that I'm going to throw at you just to kind of round off this brilliant chat. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Number one, favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, this one, uh, I go back and forth between Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. I think it's been Empire Strikes Back, like swinging that way again recently because the 40th anniversary, um, Mm -hmm. which is wild, is approaching. And I've just, I've been rewatching that film, pieces of that film a bit for a project. And I think I love it just dark and thematic and the stuff with Yoda and Dagobah hits me. Um, it's just a very profound, like all that we learn about the force and all his uh, interactions with Luke. And I just like, love how silly Yoda is at first. And it, just a lot of things about that film really uh, appealed to me. Yeah. And I really can't wait to hear about these projects you keep hinting at. <laughs> I cannot wait either. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Uh, question two is your favorite line in Star Wars. Definitely Qui-Gon Jinn's, uh, your focus determines your reality. I kind of keep that in my pocket as a mantra um, whenever I'm feeling, I, you know, like we talk, like it's easy to like swirl around the negative things people say. Hmm. And it's not to discount, I mean, we are going to have bad feelings sometimes people, for whatever reason, but in my day-to-day, if I can try to focus on the things I want, the things I'm working towards, what I feel good about, that will set my kind of overall tone. Um, and it ties in with like practicing mindfulness really strongly, which is something I, I try to do. It helps me manage my anxiety and generally um so yeah your focus determines your reality i think it's just a beautiful statement a lot of things qui-gon says um to be honest i love him yeah i really like that 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 one reminds me a lot of um i think it's jara patal in jedi fallen order when he says something during cal's training and it's something along the lines of um the obstacles in your path define the path 
what stands in your way becomes the way. And I think I've taken, similar to you, a lot of what the Jedi stand for in terms of balance and mindfulness has definitely been really important to me recently. And the quote you chose really kind of encapsulates that as well. It's like focusing on what we can do and what we can control and on the good. Exactly, yes. Yeah, just the Jedi way. (laughs) Yes, they got some things right. Exactly, just only some things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, moving on to question three. It's favorite battle or favorite lightsaber duel? Oh, let's do a lightsaber duel because it has been duel of the fates with with Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan for a long time. But mm-hmm. the Darth Maul and Ahsoka duel that recently happened in Clone Wars and the episode called, I forget, The Phantom Apprentice, maybe? Um, I that one. about this, yeah. Oh, it was just so beautifully choreographed. And to see something look that dynamic and Clone Wars, I, I've always really liked the animation style, but these fi- those final episodes are on another level. And to make them really even more special, they got Ray Park to come back and perform motion capture for Darth Maul. And they had an incredible stunt woman named Lauren Mary Kim do uh, the same for Ahsoka. So they really got to take real world elements for those characters and in the case of Maul like Ray Park's moves are so specific and and recognizable for that character so to see it in animation oh and it was just such a good beautifully scored duel and I I would never have thought I'd pick an animated Star Wars duel as as the best one but it was just fantastic. I can't wait to see it. Honestly, I, I saw so wait. much about that episode. Like when it was coming out a few weeks ago, my Twitter timeline was full of like screen caps and people were just like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like that in Star Wars. Oh my God. And I was like, what am I missing? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for you to get to it. Okay. Um, question four is what would you like to see next in Star Wars? Whether it's a game, book, movie, or literally anything you can think of, what do you want to see next? I want to see them keep experimenting with their series on Disney+. Plus. I think, you know, they did a couple of the standalone films, Rogue One and Solo, and I don't, it kind of feels like, maybe they've even said that they've kind of abandoned that model. Mm. But with Disney+, Plus, I think if they can do more limited series, be they live action or animated, they have a lot of room to experiment. And we've seen that a little with The Mandalorian as far as genre-wise. It feels very western and um kind of you know digging into the the underworld but like go farther with that like give us uh, a lost stars style romance and unlimited series give me like a creepy uh, well not too not too much horror because i get scared quite easily but <laughs> but like lean into that for a limited series and just keep it star wars obviously like things yeah feel star wars and you know when they don't but just i hope they experiment more and for the love of all things, um, I hope they bring in more diverse uh, writers and directors. That they've done that with Mandalorian, but I hope they keep doing that because those perspectives are really valuable. Yeah, and I think it's interesting as well that you know the recently announced Taika Waititi film is going to be, I think, co-written by a woman, which is brilliant. And I think Taika Waititi is an incredible director, an incredible guy. But it does feel very much like when are they going to let a woman make a Star Wars movie? Truly, like it's time. It is but it's very beyond much time. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like um I totally agree with you about just kind of experimenting um experimenting with things like The Mandalorian was so fantastic because it felt 
like an entirely removed thing from the saga but still felt intrinsically Star Wars and you know when it does and I really am enjoying um, specifically with Jedi Fallen Order I keep talking to everyone I know about this game because it just wowed me so much and like stories that aren't around the Skywalkers or the Palpatines or any of that are becoming so much more interesting because like you forget that there's an entire galaxy of people that are dealing with everything that you know the skywalkers and stuff maybe not to the extent like they're not all jedi and they're not all part of the senate and stuff but you know they're in this world as well and it's so interesting to get to hear their stories so i really hope they do more with that like totally new people yes like more everyday people mm. did you yeah. play fallen order i'm assuming you did um, I did not actually. Um, I go back and forth with video games because sometimes they give me motion sickness. But okay. I, I did watch my husband play a fair amount, like here and there. You know, one on the weekends, watch him play. Yeah. Um, and I really became how oh, I'm going to space in her name. The night sister that comes in is that Marion? Yes, yes, Marion. Oh, I love her. Oh my gosh, she was so cool. But even like that whole crew, like the the cutscenes that I would see, I'm really impressed. They I found them to be quite well written Mm. and I don't know why I'm saying that in a skeptical voice video games have come (laughs) quite a long way I shouldn't be uh, especially like even watching like the cutscenes from Battlefront 2 like I really like that that campaign story Um, so yeah I've liked watching it I would get sad that they they made all the things you could kill like creatures um yeah those big spiders though like when they come at you I was like no I'm sorry I'm just gonna go in on this with the lightsaber (laughs) (laughs) like I have to yeah Uh, but But, I've um, heard yeah it's cool game yeah why I mentioned that specifically I guess is there's this feature um this kind of ability that Cal has with the force where he can sense force echoes so when you go to planets like Zepho and Kashyyyk and stuff you know in video games when you pick up like um, notes and diary entries from characters long gone and things like that it was very very similar to that except he could like sense a memory or something that happened in a specific place and he would like pick up on these kind of like regular civilians um, lives that were lived there and feel what happened and it was just so interesting to hear about these um totally regular people just living out their lives on these planets and it kind of makes you think you know like when the Empire and the First Order destroy these planets, you get more of a sense of the people on them and that their lives mattered and not just because they were a powerful Jedi and things like that. And as well with Marion and the Night Sisters, that was a whole new thing to me that was so interesting and exciting. And honestly, I'd love to see a whole series just about the Night Sisters at this point. <laughs> oh, I agree. Absolutely. They're such a fascinating group that's not like anything else in Star Wars and could, mm-hmm. could easily like play into like kind of a a witchy style like horror story um yeah that's neat I, I don't know how much of that I caught in the game but just I think it's really valuable to get that perspective of these are what other beings are living with while this war rages and, and how they have to survive and how they're in some ways incredibly affected um yeah and I think I even said when I finished the game I would love a book of just all of those entries like in a, a, like a beautiful coffee table style book with all of the different foreseckers and stories that Cal picked up on through his journey. I think that'd be s- such a nice keepsake to look back on as well. But you should totally make your husband play it again so you can see all these bits <laughs> that I mentioned. <laughs> I should, should. Okay, and for the final, final question, in as few words as possible, what does Star Wars mean to you? Uh, it boils down to Star Wars means hope. I think that's a message that 
even in the moments of of dark times and and when the, it looks like the first order the empire whatever the, the in the case of jedi like their their arrogance whatever the villain is whatever the thing they're fighting is there's always hope and there's always a chance that someone anyone um can make a difference yeah yeah, totally the same for me. I feel like every time I ask that question, I'm sort of expecting the person to say hope because it just, that's just a word that comes to mind when you think about it, I guess. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so, so much for coming on this episode. Um, just to round off, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, your Twitter handles or anything you're working on that you want to plug? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much again for having me. It's really fun. Um, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. You can find my writing these days on Nerdist, um, sometimes in starwars.com. And I've been working on some fun things for Star Wars Insider Magazine. And I don't know when, but hopefully like in the next month to two months, I think, um, I will have some really cool things to announce uh, related to Star Wars projects. So please stay tuned. I can't wait to share them. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for coming on. 